Today I want to use for our text Romans 1, 16 through 21. And kind of the topic on that, or what I, what I, what I get out of that, that scripture is, um, you can go ahead and put that up, um, <clears throat> is uh, enjoying the fullness of God or staying full of God. You know, if you, if you have in, encountered people up here praying, that's very, very high on the list. How many of us have felt dry, lifeless spiritually? I don't have any faith. I'm just worn out. I'm flat as a pancake when it comes to the things of God. How many have been like that besides me? It just ain't there. It's just, you know. Well, I think, I think we've got a little key here that will show us something. And uh, in the fir- first chapter of Romans here, and uh, <clears throat> I'll see if I can read that from here. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, or some versions say, who suppress the truth. Because that which is known of God, we're running out of space. I'll have to rely on my, okay. It's manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. That's quite a statement. From the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen. You know, there is an intuition in every man that there is a God. Every man. You're going to see this a little bit later here. Because of that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. We can see that unrighteousness tries to suppress the truth. Right now, as we stand and live here today, we have full entrance into the kingdom of heaven, into the throne room of God, because of the blood of Jesus. Simply accept that by faith. That's where we are today. But the wrath of God is coming because of ungodliness that suppresses the truth. There's some people say, well, I don't believe there is a God. Well, the Bible says you do. You do know. And you will be held accountable for that. And because the wrath of God is coming because of that. But what what he is saying is is here that because they knew God, those who suppress unrighteousness, they knew God. Now, there's four things to look at here. They glorified him not as God. That's one. They didn't glorify him. They were not thankful. They became vain in their imaginations. In other words, untrue imaginations. Or vain means not, lang- not long-lasting or not of long-time value. <clears throat> and their foolish hearts were darkened. And that was the result of it. So we can clearly see in them four things how we can have a dry and darkened heart. But I think the key to these four things is we can reverse them. We can reverse every one of them, and we can see that if we do glorify him, and if we're thankful, and our imaginations or our concepts in our minds become godly, or the truth of the word of God, 
our heart will turn around and be a good heart. Wouldn't that make sense? If we just reverse that. So let's look at the first one here. The first one is <clears throat> glorify God. Now, all four of these, we have a power. We have the power to do this. So many times we pray for things that we can do ourselves. And these four things are, these are four of those things. Glorify God, or that means to magnify God. To place him the highest of the high of the highest thing in your life. This is what he wants. He wants him to be, what's the first commandment? The, the most important commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind. Put him on the highest pinnacle that you can. What is his value to us? What is his worth to us? How do we prize him? How do we esteem him? Is he worthy of our attention? Do we give him our attention? <clears throat> How conscious are we in our everyday lives? You know, in Luke 14, 26, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but he said, Jesus told his followers, those surrounding him, he said, you know, unless you hate your mother, uh, father, brother, sister, wife, children, and yourself, you cannot be my disciple. <clears throat> now, we're smart enough to know that he's not telling us to hate anybody because he is love, and his command is love. Love the Lord your God and love your fellow man. So we know he's not saying that. But what he is saying, he's making a comparison. They said, if you place me and magnify me, anything below that looks like hatred. So as much as we love our families and love our spouses and love our children, that would look like hate if we place him and magnify him to the place he deserves to be. <clears throat> You know, there's a lot of competition for this magnification. We know that. You know, he wants us to love him over our cell phones. Did you get that, Jaron? You know, I, I really, you know, Jaron and I talked about this a while ago, but, you know, it, you know, it used to be just kids sat around with their phones. Now, us old people sit around with our phones. <laughs> but, you know, the Lord showed me something. He said, isn't that great? I, I don't have a Bible up here today, but I've I got to refer to it later on here. I'm going to refer to my phone because we have the Word of God on our phone. <clears throat> isn't that something that you, you, can't, you can't get much closer physically than having a little thing like this and have the Word of God right there? Although he wants it in our hearts, and he's placed it in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he shed abroad the love of God in our hearts. By the Holy Spirit. You know, one thing you can do, if this sounds daunting, like, oh my gosh, how am I going to ever pull this off? You know, but if you meditate on the Word of God, meditating God glorifies Him. I'm sure He's pleased when He said, I like that. You're thinking about me. You might ha not have all the answers, but you're looking, you're searching. You're drawing me in. So meditating on his word actually glorifies him. You know, I shared this the other night at our uh, academy class, but a lot of times when I have a, a, just a bad day, just, just have those days, just things don't come together. And, you know, I lay down at night, and I, sometimes what I do is I rehearse the whole gospel in my mind. 
And I take it from right to the point of when he had the supper with the disciples. And he told them what he was going to do. He went to his judgment. He went to the cross. They hung him on the cross. They took his body down. They put him in a grave. <clears throat> he was separated from his heavenly father. He's resurrected. He's raised to glory. Puts the Holy Spirit back on earth into the people that love him and follow him and ask for him. And then I go to sleep. And I sleep like a baby. Not up every two hours, but solid. <laughs> because it, it, it puts back the perspective of magnifying him and placing him above everything. Mark 9.23 says, All things are possible to him that believes. And that believe, actually the old King James says believeth, but that word actually means a continuous feeding of faith into the life of Jesus Christ. It's not one time, well, yes, I believe this. No, I don't believe that. Yes, I believe this. Yes, I believe this. That is not what it, that word is talking about. That word is talking about a continuous elevation, a continuous living with him in our heart. The next one is thankfulness. <clears throat> you know, uh, unthankfulness we know that is coming uh, and is here it has been here and it mentions it in 2nd Timothy I'm going to go there here real quick <clears throat> and <clears throat> 2nd uh, Timothy chapter 3 verses uh, 1 and 2 it said this know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now, that's not the loving of yourself that Mike talked about two weeks ago. That's a different kind of love. If you're born again, God loves you. You have to love yourself. What he's talking about here on this letter to Timothy, he's talking about a selfless, nobody else, I'm the king, the universe spins around me kind of selfishness. Covetousness, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. Unthankful is one of them. <clears throat> so thankfulness is so important in relationship to our Heavenly Father. Glorifying God, magnifying Him, thanking Him are all interrelated, but to glorify God, you have to be thankful. You cannot glorify Him and be unthankful. No way, no how. It doesn't work. Actually, <clears throat> griping, complaining, whining, murmuring, really never, never gets to the heart of God. In fact, when you see in the Bible that when complaining and murmuring started, there was, there was never good. You take the, the nation of Israel, where he took them out and crossed the Red Sea, miraculously opened up the Red Sea, put his people, several million, plus their cattle and all their animals and everything, put them across, closed it up. The Egyptian army couldn't go any further, and they, got, they have about a less than two-week trip to the promised land that he promised them, but it took them 40 years. In fact, the ones that crossed the river, crossed the Red Sea, never made it. You know why? Because they gr uh, grumbled, they complained, and they murmured. They mumbled about water, food, <laughs> food, food from heaven. Didn't cost them a thing. Then they wanted some meat, so they got them, he gave them quail. And water. Get water out of a rock. 
pillar by night, cloud by day, guidance all the time. With them all the time. They complained about their enemies. They're mean. They're nasty. They're too big. They complained about Moses. He's not doing it right. <clears throat> He's a real problem, Lord. You've got to get rid of him. Complain, complain, complain. It says in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, it says, they didn't enter into that rest. They didn't enter into that promised land because they didn't mix it with faith. They complained their way out of every blessing that they were getting. That whole generation died. It took them 40 years for about an 11-day trip. And they took out the whole, the, the whole generation died, never made it. And Moses never made it to the promised land because he doubted God. He said, really, I got all these people. <clears throat> I can't take care of them. How come you give me such a lousy job? His complaining never got him any place. <clears throat> so we know that <clears throat> that really doesn't fit in in Christianity at all. You know, <laughs> I'm not a Facebooker, but I read Facebook once in a while. And, you know, you'll see Christians, believers, uh, whining and complaining on the Facebook. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble here. <coughs> we as Christians, now I understand there's times when you got a, you have a prayer request, you know, I understand that. And <clears throat> and asking for prayer. But we should never, 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 never murmur or complain. Because we're telling uh, our Heavenly Father, you're not adequate. You're not doing the job. I want a pity party. I just want to roll this around so everybody can just feel sorry for me. You seriously think that he is pleased with that? I think what pleases him <clears throat> is when we let the light of thankfulness in. <clears throat> I think when we're thankful, just like our verse said uh, uh, back there, it said they were unthankful. So you can see the damage you're doing with unthankfulness. I think thankfulness is a sweet savor to God. It's just a sweet, <coughs> sweet smell that I think he loves it. I I, when we can thank him, when the, the, the sewer backs up, the kids are going wild, husband comes home drunk or whatever, that we can still thank him because it's all going to be temporary anyway. You know... <coughs> I, I like to tell this story. Some of you have heard it. I, I know not all of you have, but the Lord reminds us, you know, in, in Psalm 103, too, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I can paraphrase that a little bit and say, and forget not everything he's done for you. Some of you have had some wonderful, marvelous things done to you and done for you. I love to tell this story. I went to the uh, marshal to the, the clinic there. And they gave it a, it shot me through an MRI and everything, and I, I, they found a black or spot on my lung. So they said, well, we're going to send you down to Sioux Falls. And so we went down there, and 
uh, they're going to do a biopsy. They're going to go into your middle of your ribs and get a little chunk of that out of there and see if it's cancerous or not. And so <coughs> I go down there, and I'm laying on the little gurney there and with the funny little, uh, you know, gown that you wear, you know. And uh, so they wheel me, wheel me into this room, and I'm, I'm just laying there, and my back is to everything, and I'm laying flat anyway. And uh, <coughs> uh, this guy, you know, it's, it's a little wait period, maybe, I don't know, five, seven minutes. I thought, hmm, this is kind of weird. But the guy comes over and says, how you doing, sir? You okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine, you know. <coughs> so this went on a few more minutes, and, and finally, you know, I'm thinking, this is kind of weird, you know. And so he come over, and he touched me on the shoulder. He said, are you, are you okay? Are you cold or anything? And, no, no, I'm fine, you know. And so then there was another period, Oh, well, then I heard Lynette's voice. And I thought, Hmm, what she got? What they got her here for? And I thought it really probably is not good, you know. And uh, so, I, and I'm just kind of oh, okay. What do you got here? And you know, I never really thought of Lynette's uh, experience with this until two weeks ago. We had life group. She shared this a little bit. But I can imagine what was going through her mind. She said, "Now, now your husband just going in for a biopsy, but they have to go to the waiting room and get her and say, come here." So I could hear him talking back there, and, and I could hear her voice and everything. Well, finally, they come over to me, and they set me up. And they said, uh, we can't find nothing. We can't find no spot. I mean, it was back there in Marshall, but it ain't here in Sioux Falls. It's gone. Yes. <laughs> Amen. And, you know, we had a good ride home from Sioux Falls. That was a great ride home. Thank you, Jesus. And, you know, <coughs> the Lord reminded me of that. You know, there's times when, when, you know, I forget that. But, you know, I, I think of the ten lepers. Ten lepers. They, leprosy was a horrible disease. One came back. And he wasn't even Jewish. He was a Samaritan. He was actually a guy with no religion, if you will. And so we can do that. We can actually forget all the things that he's done for us. <coughs> You know, and then the other day, um, I just got one more story like that. <coughs> uh, Ryan, our son Ryan's been uh, teaching uh, on Wednesday night class on um, the whisper, or it's hearing the voice of God and communicating with God. <coughs> so he's been doing that for several weeks. And so the other morning we're talking, we're just sitting down. He goes, gee, Dad, you know, I just feel so inadequate. I just feel stupid. I, I just don't. There's guys sitting there that have been Christians a lot longer than me, and I, I, I don't think I know my subject well enough. And he said, I, I just stand up there. I feel like an idiot, you know. And, and uh, so, you know, we talk, you know, I said, well, you know, Willie, you're willing to do it. That's huge. I, I think God is pleased that you're willing to do it. He, can, he knows mistakes. He overlooks mistakes. He knows where we're at. Well, he's been here, been there, done that. He knows, he knows what we have to go through. And so we talked a little bit, and, so uh, we go back to work, and, and uh, the Lord reminded me. You know, we were, after I was thinking about that, the Lord reminded me. He says, you remember when he was on meth? Remember when such a time that was, he'd be late for work. You'd be worried if he'd come to work. You didn't know if he was alive or dead. <clears throat> and all the anguish that caused in your family. Remember when he went to treatment? And he got uh, several weeks into Woodstock, and he gave us a call and said, we can't do any more with him. He's got to go to a mental ward or something. 
And so they, we took him to Sioux Falls. He got into the mental ward there, the psych ward. Shauna was just little then. And, and we went down and we went to this room and all these people uh, were, it was so sad. It was such a dark, dark time. And it was so sad. All these people were, were just so, so hurting. And it's like, remember that when he got out of that? <coughs> and remember when he finished his treatment and he'd come home? And it wasn't automatic. And we had a lot of problems after that. We argued and, and uh, everything. It wasn't good. But we, we hung, hung in there and hung in there. And finally, uh, we would spend the whole afternoon many, many times talking about the Word of God and the change in his life and what you can do to be uh, happy and how you can uh, function as a human being that uh, knowing that God loves you and cares for you. And in fact, I remember back when he was using meth, one time I brought a Bible down to the shop, you know, and he goes, phew, does it come to this? <laughs> I remember that so funny. Well, it did. It did. I just didn't put it away. I didn't force him on or nothing like that. But the Lord reminded me. He said, now he's willing to stand up and he's willing to teach my word. Whether he's good or, or where he's at, at, he's willing to do it. Do you remember that? So <clears throat> I was so thankful that the Lord reminded me of that, of, of how, how far he had come. Psalm 100, um, verses 4 and 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. You know, we enter in his courts with, uh, courts with praise today. We are his court. This is an Old Testament verse. But we are now his court. We are now his dwelling place. Isn't that fantastic? The Holy Spirit living in us. <coughs> the next one I want to talk about is imagination. You know, imagination is simply conception. Imagination sometimes gets a bad word. We uh, Well, imagine this, you know. We think it's false or childish or something like that. But we're asked, and we saw that verse uh, earlier in Romans where it says you can have a vain imagination or you can have imagination in things that are not lasting or are very important. Our minds are always working. Always, always working. You can't stop it. Just think about that. Our minds never shut down as far as imagining and conceiving things and having a conception of things. But it can work for you or against you. How many times have you heard someone on the radio and you start getting an image of that person? You know, well, they're dark-complected, they have a lot of hair, maybe they're middle-aged. Or they're tall. But you do form something, don't you? Right? I mean, you have, you have, you know, we, we have parts people that we've talked to for 
for decades uh, in, our, in our body shop business. Don't have a clue what they look like, but I have a concept of what they look like. I mean, I don't have just a blank, blank picture there. There is a concept. Now, it might be dead wrong, because <coughs> I have done that. I've went to people, and they've talked to them for, for 20 years, and they say, hi, I'm, and they'll say, well, I didn't picture you like that at all. <laughs> I didn't know you were that good looking. No, but you do have a conception. It's the same way with reading a book. You know, some of you are avid book readers. But how would it be if you just read the words, the black words on white paper, and nothing came? So you have a conception. As you read along, you'll see the place where they're at. They'll describe maybe it's a mountainous area, a river, or a city. But you're going to have that concept. You're going to create that in your mind. It's the same with the Word of God. When you read the Word of God, there is a creation that comes into your mind. And like we read in that verse earlier, their minds are darkened because of vain imaginations. And it's just like what Sam was talking about earlier, <clears throat> and it was what we were talking about in prayer this morning, that these imaginations can become strongholds in our life. I'm going to go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4 here. <clears throat> this describes it really well. Verses 17 and 18. And this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth not walk as the other Gentiles walk or unbelievers walk in the vanity of their mind. Having, under, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Isn't that amazing? There you have all those concepts we're talking about this morning. There's ignorance. You're alienated because your understanding is darkened. And it causes a blindness of the heart. The word ignorance comes simply from what? Ignoring the word of God. Very simple. <clears throat> when we see, um, <clears throat> we know that our minds need data all the time. All the time, all the time, all the time. You know, it's just like this morning when I was driving to church. You know, I had, well, we had Bible study and then we had to, you know, do a sermon. And it's amazing the things that come to your mind. Now, i got a sermon to do here, and plus we got a Bible study to lead. But, you know, I had other things come in there. See, data is rolling all the time, rolling, rolling, all the time. Here's another verse that will help us out. <coughs> uh, 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> this is, I don't know if this is faster than turning a Bible page or not, but we're going to. This is how we're doing it, I guess. Second Corinthians ten five. I know some of you are very familiar with. Actually, let's go back to verse four. For the weapons of our warfare are real carnal. What's the warfare going on right now? Right now, today, right now. Your mind, your understanding, your conception, your imagination. Right now, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, not our five senses. <clears throat> but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That word obedience also means the nurturing care of Christ. So right there we can see that these vain imaginations that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God, we can bring them into captivity. How? With our own conception, with our own concept of the, of the Bible and what the Bible's teaching. Very profound. Very profound. Um, <clears throat> We need to use our imaginations to agree with God's word and see ourselves the way God sees us, happy, healthy, loved, and righteous. We need to remind ourselves that we didn't create any righteousnesses of our own. I know most of you know this. But they decided in heaven, they got together long, long before you and I were born and said, you know what? We are going to create righteousness in those who believe and trust in the salvation and the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's that simple. Now, if the enemy can take that out of your mind and out of your heart, he's going to start gaining victory. And we're going to see here a little bit. We're going to close. The last one here is the heart. The attitude of our heart is far more important than our actions. The reason I say that you know, so many times in Christianity, it's all about, well, you can't do this, well, you can't go there, or you can't look like this, but you better do this. You know, that's what the Pharisees did. They were good at that. They were pros at it. They, there was none better. But that was not what God was looking for. In... Uh, <clears throat> Matthew 23, 25, and 26, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Actually, we could read, Woe unto you, you religious dirtbags, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within you're full of extortion and excess, you blind Pharisees. Clean first that which is within the cup and the platter, and the outside of them may be clean also. So the Lord is more concerned about our heart than our actual actions. Your heart changes, your actions change. That's just automatic. Another one here, Matthew 12, 35. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Mark 7, 21, 23 says, From within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, Murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. All these things can be within our heart. But our heart can be changed. We talked about that this morning in Bible study. How our hearts are, there's over 800 verses in the New Testament about the heart. The heart is what drives your life. The heart is what controls your life. The reason the heart responds in a negative way, like we just spoke about in those verses, because we allow it to be dominated by external things other than the Word of God. 
your heart is going to be sensitive to what you pay attention to. Very simple. And your heart will be hardened to things that you do not pay attention to. For example, I always use, my heart is hardened towards golf because I could care less about golf. Now, if you love golf, you're okay. That's all right. But I don't care about golf. It has little, no meaning to me. So my heart is hardened towards golf or towards knitting. (laughs) Whatever. But whatever you place your heart on, that's what you're sensitive to. We have a lot of competition in this. In fact, the verse I was talking about earlier, Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart, one verse says, above all else, for out of it come the springs of life or the issues of life. Or it says, guard your heart with all diligence. You know, the heart to God is what he sees in you. I don't think he really cares about your actions so much as he cares about changing your heart. When God looks at your heart, it's just like if we look at our five, uh, our five fingers on our hand. It's, a, it's just that simple. And he looks at our heart and sees that. It's that simple. That is his flag and that is his banner on how he identifies us. Behavior modification, I think the church for years has preached behavior modification. All that we need is a heart modification. We need a heart transplant, a heart overhaul. If we dwell on carnal things, earthly things, five-sense things, things that we just see around us all the time, the Bible says they're temporary. Carnal means just natural things or things perceived with the five senses. If we dwell on spiritual things, the Bible says, God's word, the gospel, his love towards us, that is eternal, and that's actually more real. God says it's more real than this eternal life that we're living right here. Colossians 3, 1 through 4, that's the last scripture I'm going to read. <clears throat> um, it's, it's one that uh, you can refer to so many times. If you are risen with Christ, which you are if you're a believer, seek the things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your imagination, set your concepts on the things above, not on the things of earth. And why? Because you're dead and your life is hid with Christ. Isn't that cool? That my life is hidden in Christ, surrounded with Christ. All four of these work together. Glorifying or magnifying the Lord. Thankfulness. Correct imagination or correct concept of God. And that will develop into a good heart. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we get an understanding through your word of how we're made what we're like, uh, and what we're like without you, Lord. 
and how devastating it is by the scriptures we looked at to be separated, alienated, our minds darkened, our minds becoming foolish because of our wrong concept, because of unglorifying you and not being thankful, Lord. We thank you for the clear description, and we thank you for the reverse process, Lord, where we can have a good heart, that we can be your children, that we can be in your body, Lord, that we can perform on earth the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ going out to all men because you desire that no one be lost, Lord. For this we thank you, and for this we glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.